Hello and welcome to the Total Mental Performance Podcast, the one and only mindset podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs and coaches master their mindset, giving you insider access to industry leaders around their psychology, their campfire stories, and the mindset required to be successful in this business. I'm your host, Kieran O'Neill, mental performance coach and founder of Total Mental Performance, the world's fastest growing specialist mindset service dedicated to the fitness industry. So without further ado, let's lean in and listen. Yes. Yes, team, welcome to another episode of the Total Mental Performance Podcast. And today is particularly special because we have one of my favorite human beings on the entire planet on today's episode, which is Dr. Kate Blackford. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story as to how I met Kate. So I was on um, a, tra- a therapist training course, and Kate was one of the advisors and the assistants and was helping mentor us and guide us through that process. And sometimes in those processes, you can get a little bit stuck when you're training to be a therapist. Now, I thought I was being really big, really brave, because I was in a group of women. And uh, there was four women in the room, Kate was supervising this exercise. And I thought, you know, I've got guilt and shame around women. So where, what a better place to express that in a group full of women. And I thought I was really confident. I'd already done, you know, hundreds of hours of therapy at that point and uh, I went in and I got stuck and I realized I actually don't want to share this this odd memory in front of women and I basically in the technique got stuck and begun to break down and cry and it really didn't work out for me at all but Kate stepped in and she took over the whole exercise and went right Kieran breathe breathe and she just took me out and brought me back to base camp. And yeah, and she's just an incredible, incredible woman. She heads up all of our mental performance work with our females. She's a senior mental performance coach here at TMP. She was also the first coach to join TMP. So she's been absolutely instrumental in helping us build the culture, the curriculum, the coaching program, all of our community. And she's just been such a, an incredible asset. I just want to say, Kate, thank you for believing in us and uh, for backing us early. And yeah. Welcome to the TMP podcast. Thank you. And thank you. You are very welcome. Thank you for bringing me on board. I love it. I love working with the TMP team. It's fantastic. It's funny, isn't it? Because what, what we do, and we're all therapists, <laughs> we're constantly holding up a mirror to each other. So when you're a therapy and, and you know, one thing that come out in a meeting the other day is, well, technically we're a human observation company. <laughs> <laughs> So we have this incredible quality where we can just hold that space for each other. It's really fun, isn't it? I think it's that thing of the understanding that we're never done. We're all works in progress and we're all learning every day. And so even the most experienced of us still have stuff to learn, whether that's about new ways of being, new ways of doing, or new ways of kind of relating to ourselves and each other. There's there's this beautiful thread that runs through that I guess is the kind of the thread of life is that you always have that potential to grow. And I think that's what TMP is particularly good at. That's what we work with our clients on, but we also reflect that with each other as well. It's incredible. And I'd like you to just give some some of our listeners some background because there'll be some obviously our clients will be listening to this and the clients that you do the amazing women that you work with within TMP will, will know all about you but for those that don't if you could give us a, a highlight reel of your background and, and where it was started for you yeah god I did psychology at university did a degree in psychology didn't have a clue what I wanted to do and ended up kind of falling into consultancy so I did I'm about 
16, 17 years in consulting now, working with um, international organizations, did quite a lot of work actually in the past in Dubai, worked all over the world with big organizations, helping them to change their culture. Um, So people like Twinings, Closer to Home, the Forestry Commission, um, goodness, uh, Tarmac, the people that do the roads. (laughs) So we did a lot of work in Dubai and Oman with them. That was great. Um, And then decided that I wasn't sure that was what I wanted to continue doing. So I went and got my PhD. That was a huge learning curve, huge challenge, challenged a lot of my beliefs about myself, my resilience, my self-confidence, going back to school in the in my 30s, having to study to that level again after so many years out. So yeah, that was a huge challenge. And uh, so I got my PhD in organizational psychology, helping businesses to perform at their best through understanding people. And then... Um, have more recently trained as a therapist and coach. So lots of leadership work in my background, executive coaching, but also um, the therapy side of things. There's just so many things to talk about, whether that's, and you've told me so many stories over over the past, what, a year and a half, 18 months, maybe two years now, we've been working together. And there's just so much that you've had to overcome and there's been so much that you've had to, had to work through. And I th- do you know what? It's, I find it even harder to start. I mean, let's talk about one of the puzzles you've told me about, which is being a strong woman leader in a male-dominated industry. And I think there's one yeah. boss in particular picked up your PhD. Yeah. Yes, I did have a boss. I was running the culture change program for the whole of the company right across the UK. And my boss at the time <laughs> sort of was very jokey about my PhD and, and he had a copy to read and informed me a few weeks later, he was using it as a doorstop. So um, that was the regard that he held my academic qualifications in. But obviously, you know, with with what I've done in the past, I've worked in a lot of male-dominated industries a huge amount. And, you know, some of the challenges that you have to overcome in those environments is certainly when I was younger, actually being told, what does a young woman know about this industry when you're in construction, when you're in mining, when you're in, you know, really kind of heavy, quite safe critical industries looking at how they protect their people. So senior exec teams saying, you know, what does a little girl know about our business? It turned out quite a lot. And, um, and then, you know, more recently, one of the challenges that I feel is quite a big challenge for women in senior positions is actually still being women. I've seen so many women who were in senior positions like me who go in and try and behave like men. And actually, that's not supporting diversity. If we really want diversity in the workplace, we have a huge amount to offer just by being ourselves and by offering our own perspectives, because, you know, our experiences will be different and our perspectives will be different and our way of processing and communicating will be different. So, you know, there's there's some huge kind of challenges there I've had to overcome. Being a psychologist as well, often being called fluffy, a fluffy psychologist, uh, just to dispel that myth. Uh, If you saw some of the mathematics I'd done in my PhD, you would not call me a fluffy psychologist. (laughs) So yeah, so not only, you know, are you you doing the job, but you're also having to kind of balance some of these challenges. And 
And actually, I was very aware, and the women that I worked with as well, actually very aware that in consultancy, when we walked in the room, we had to work 150% to the 100% that our male colleagues put in just to get the kind of credibility when we walked in the room in those kind of industries. So yeah, it's been an interesting journey. It's been a great kind of experience for, I guess, testing your resolve and, and your commitment to being authentic. And something that we see with our coaches all of the time, particularly female coaches, driven, successful female coaches, they often embody that same traits where even today I was, I was coaching uh, a very high performing coach, probably in the top 1% of industry in terms of transformations and, and the size of our coaching business, spending a lot of time talking about the masculine and the feminine. And something that I see those that are listening and, and they haven't come across the masculine and feminine type. I've actually been pondering this. I don't think it should be called masculine and feminine. I think it's just generally men display certain traits more and generally women cert display certain traits more. But I do believe we have them both. The masculine being structure, the masculine being very, very practical, just solving solutions, just getting it done and pushing through and, and, and all of that. The feminine being more of the emotional side, the sensitive side, the rush of emotion, the creativity, all of that. And often people think that to build a successful business, you have to be in your masculine. It has to come from that, that structure, that order, that, that male aggression. In a, in a and there's nothing wrong with male aggression. Controlled male aggression is actually a very powerful thing. Controlled masculine aggression is a very powerful thing. But it's understanding that these are two, almost like fire and like water and their, their dualities and learning to operate between them. I'd love to pick your brains. Kate has coached some of our top female coaches. Um, what patterns do you see? And can you see how that resonates with your background and what you bring into your coaching today? Yes. I mean, I think the thing I would say first and foremost is these, these women are incredible. They are absolutely incredible. And I think one of the key things that they, they don't appreciate when they first start their journey is is exactly that they feel like they need to be more they feel like if they're if they're not constantly in the perfect physique then somehow how can they possibly put themselves out there and coach other people if they're not perfect themselves or maybe they don't have the same qualifications as someone else or as much experience so there's a lot there around them feeling almost a bit like imposters in the environment and not appreciating that actually what they're bringing is them. What people are buying is who they are and their story and their journey and their way of being and their way of doing doing things. Because, you know, when we're working with someone as a coach, yes, we want to know they get results, but also we want to feel like we're going to get on with this person. We need to trust this person to guide us in how to how to train, how to eat, and how to create the the structures and habits that will help us achieve our goals. And a lot of them really don't appreciate just how much they just being them have to offer. Yeah. And it's like they take on this masculine persona where they have to be, I've got to be this way. I've got to be showing this. I've got to be showing conviction. I've got to be showing leadership. What, what does leadership mean? Leadership doesn't just have to be the old school dominant. This is the way that we go. This is where we are. You can have that feminine, you can have that empathy, you can have that connection. It doesn't have to be so black and white, but I think when you're hit with those messages so much, which is you've got to be this way to be successful, particularly women, 
Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think it, it, it has a negative impact and it can create a lot of pressure, a lot of insecurities, mm-hmm. a lot of anxiety, a lot of self-doubt because we're going against yeah. our natural flows and rhythms. Absolutely. And, and when you're trying to be something or someone you're not day in, day out, it's exhausting. It's absolutely emotionally exhausting. And I think that's the thing. It's that idea that there's only one way to be successful. And there are so many different ways to be a success. There are so many different types of coaches that different people will prefer to work with. So, you know, there's not just, it's it's not like the recipe for the perfect Victoria sponge. There's one set of ingredients and one way to do it. There are so many different ways to create a really, really top-notch coaching business. And actually, I think for for my women, the ones that I'm working with, it's it's a lot about reconnecting with their authentic self and helping them to connect actually with what they're just bringing to the party by being them. Have you noticed, particularly with younger women in the industry, perhaps maybe 20 to 25, have you noticed comparison seems to come up a lot more, particularly on looks? Yes, hugely, Hmm. hugely. And I think it's that thing, isn't it, that when you're in the industry, that's what you're surrounded by and you're constantly looking at other people in the industry who's got more followers, whether you perceive that they are more physically attractive in better physical shape than you. And again, everybody has a different ideal about what what beauty is, what perfection is, what their idea of what they want to look like is. And so it's very much more about how you connect with the client than being the the most pretty or the most in shape or anything else. And and it's such a subjective thing as well, isn't it? It's such a subjective thing what each of us finds attractive or aspires to as well. And I think that's a huge thing is getting that balance and that that inner confidence, that self-esteem, which is the thing that's often, you know, there's there's a bit of a hole where that self-esteem and self-worth should be. Getting that to a point where they're able to engage with their community because that's necessary, that's helpful, but also to step away from the comparison and to look at things a lot more objectively and from a position that everybody else is at a different place in their journey. So we're not all going to be performing the same. And even today, when you see with a lot of coaches, they'll do a fitness shoot, they'll get into incredible shape, and then they'll get 100 pictures taken from that weekend, and then they'll post them around all year round. And I think it creates an unrealistic expectation, because people assume that that's what they look like. And then there's this disconnect, because as an individual, and I used to get this when I was boxing, you know, after, after, after you fight, you take your shirt off, you're going to get some pictures taken, and you're all sort of really lean and, and, and whatever. But then when you're not that picture, and you're posting that picture that same day, or you're looking at other people, and every single picture they put up is they're in incredible shape. And there is like the 1% of, you know, people that are in that insane level of genetic physique where they're going to be like that all the time. But most of the world isn't like that. And I think it can be quite distorting and quite, quite disrupting. We've both spoken about a lot about body dysmorphia, body image puzzles, and my struggles coming from a boxer and then coming out of that sort of Back then I was fighting at 56 kilos at the same height I am now, five seven between 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, I'm now 70, this morning I hit 72 kilos. It's a big weight difference, right? Then all those pictures, I was really lean, I was really skinny. And then when I wasn't like that, I felt like, oh my God, I haven't got my six pack. I define myself from being shredded. It creates a lot of issues. And we've spoken a lot in, uh, together about these sorts of things. So I'd love for you to share just your experience about how that panned out for you when it went unchecked. 
So, yeah, so I um, I had eating disorders from a very young age, actually. Uh, when I look back at the origins that from about eight years old, I started to have unrealistic expectations of, of how I wanted to look and what size I wanted to be and aspirations. When I was growing up, you know, it was all supermodels like Kate Moss who were incredibly slim. And so mine started then. It was only when I went to university and, and I was away from the watchful eyes of my parents that it developed into full-blown anorexia, having been through a period of, of excessive exercising leading up to that, and then periods of bulimia. And again, it was all about trying to make myself somehow acceptable to correct something that wasn't right in me, that that lack of self-confidence and that lack of self-esteem. I've always been a, a tall, gawky person as, as a kid. I was all arms and legs and constantly tripping over clumsiest woman in the world. And, you know, I was trying to be be something else. I thought if I could be that thin, it would somehow make me feel happier in myself. It would make me feel like I fit in. It would It would make everything okay. And with that came a lot of other things, anxiety, depression, all kinds of challenges that you don't really hear so much about when you, you talk about the eating disorders. And, and it took me a long time to really get over all of that and the body dysmorphic disorder. Um, and actually, it was I got over the eating disorders in my early 20s, but I didn't really get over the anxiety and the body dysmorphic disorder, the, the skewed perception of how I looked until I was into my 30s and, and went to see a, a therapist who does the kind of therapy and, and coaching that I do now. And that was when my life changed and when I made my life change to do this. And I think that, that these, these wonderful pictures that you get done, you know, we all have photographs of ourselves that we think, oh, wow, that's a really nice shot. That's a really nice angle. And when we've got the the lighting and we've trained for it and we've you know adapted our diet for it and it's lovely to look like that but like mental performance you're not always on your game completely we'll have some days where our mind is really on it we're super super focused and getting the job done and we're resilient and we're feeling amazing and other days it might be a little bit more of a struggle you know it's the same with our physical appearance it's no different, you know, trying to maintain that all the time is is hard and it will become all consuming like in some ways the eating disorders do become all consuming. And I think it's yeah, very much about with the, the women that I work with, these incredible women, actually them becoming comfortable with showing all the sides of them. And the sides of them where perhaps they're not studio lit and maybe they're bending at a difficult angle and they've got a little bit of a, um, a role there because that's just the angle they happen to be sitting at at that one moment the photograph was taken. And being upfront about that is incredibly freeing for them. And when they start to get the feedback for those posts where they're sharing their, their kind of their authentic selves and, and people saying, my God, this is amazing. It's so great to see that, you know, you're not perfect. That really inspires me. And so what I tend to hear is that those kind of posts, that authenticity goes down really well. And actually it's quite inspiring for those people who not on that same journey and in that same physical shape at this moment. So I think, you know, there's a lot to be gained from that. And going back to what I said initially, less emotionally draining, having to put on this persona all the time. I think when it comes to mental performance, it's so huge, which is why every single mental performance coach here is a trained therapist, because I don't believe that you can hit true peak performance without doing some therapy, without doing that deeper work. 
And it's understanding that you can have all of this emotional baggage. And if you think about the phrase emotional baggage, that's literally what it feels like when you've made some of those shifts. It feels like you take a weight off your shoulders, you're taking off a backpack, you're putting it down and you just feel incredible, you feel amazing. I think a lot of our work really is just helping humans. We were talking about this before the pod. A lot of our job is just helping everyone realize it's okay to be human. Yeah. And in fact, do you know what? It's amazing to be human. I always remember in my journey, my therapist once said to me, because I, surprise, surprise, had some issues with perfectionism. I'm sure everybody that knows me will be shocked by that. But she said to me, you know, we're all perfectly imperfect. And I just loved that phrase. I just thought that was such a beautiful way to express it. You know, we are wonderfully human. We don't always get it right. We have good days and not so good days and, and sometimes bad days. And that's okay. It's how we respond to those. It's how we relate to those that determine our success, not only in business, but as a human being, because I'm guessing that most of the people in this industry, they're not here just purely to do that. They're here because it's about the lifestyle they want. It's about what they love doing. It's about, you know, actually paying for looking after their family and, you know, having nice holidays and all those wonderful things that we you know, that, that keep us feeling good and resilient and well-rounded. And so actually, you know, that ability to accept our being human helps us to then perform throughout our whole lives and create balance so that we're in it when we're at work and we're present with our family and we're enjoying our downtime. And actually, that's one of the other things a lot of my ladies don't do is they don't take downtime. Oh, they didn't. Guilt. They didn't, no, no, they didn't. <laughs> the guilt that they feel about taking time off just yeah. would completely, completely stop them. And then you get into the cycle of burnout. You probably get this with your clients, don't you? You know, where they're pushing harder and harder and harder, and then they feel they're not being as productive. So they keep going and push harder when actually what they need to do is stop, recharge the battery, refuel, whatever metaphor works for you, and then get a lot more done in a, in a much shorter space of time. And, and so a lot of the work I do is around guilt about actually taking a break. And that's it. And you can't hit peak performance. You can't be your best and give your best if you're just flat, if you're just burnt out. You drop the big P word in there, perfectionism. Mm. And imperfectly perfect. Another thing that I love to hear is imperfect implementation. If you can implement imperfectly, you it's better that you fail fast and then you pick things up as you go versus, oh, but I can't launch this yet because of this, because of this, because of this, because of this, because of this. Yeah. You know, that contributed yeah. it's to- not um, quite perfect. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's funny because we always have to, even, even us as a team, we have to check each other. Well, is that just you trying to be perfect or is that okay and is that enough? And we have to hold up those mirrors. And that's one thing I'm really grateful for, for Kate is what she brings to the team is just helping us understand as an organization, just how we can support each other, hold that space and just realize that none of us are perfect. And, you know, we all make mistakes. We all learn, we all grow. And when you learn that, it's almost never fatal. And perfectionism really is that fear of not being enough in some shape or form, and fear of failure, fear of not being worthy. And actually, you don't need to be perfect in order to be enough. Enough is enough. And then there's, then there's the philosophical conversation as well. Where is enough? And it really, it comes down to your expectations and to what you want. Because a lot of people want, a lot of people get caught up in their environments. And they say, well, I, I want a business like that. It's like, do you? Or do you just, just want it because everybody else is working towards that? I want to coach these types of clients. It's like, really? I've had that conversation a lot of, with coaches. Mm. Had one coach uh, I met out here in Dubai and they said, 
I already want to coach CEOs and entrepreneurs. I went, really? Why is that? And he goes, well, the ones I have coached, just they're a lot easier to, to work with. They can afford to pay me more, you know? Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, what can you bring to a CEO or, or an entrepreneur? And he's like, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a kind of, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm a small business owner myself, but, and I said, well, you've just told me the reason you want to coach them is because they have more money and they're easier to coach. And you haven't actually given me a solid answer as to why you want to coach them deep down. And they'll smell you out like that. And it's asking those, those deep, honest questions of why are you doing this? What, why do you want to do this? Not what the world wants to, not because it's status driven, because it's ego driven, because of insecurity and fear and all of those things. But you've got to ask yourself, and I think a lot of what we do is holding up that mirror and saying, yeah, why do you want that? Or, well, who says that you have to have it that way? And often it's just us. It's just our own expectation is how we believe the world should be, how we believe that we should be. Often the pressure that we experience isn't from the outside world, it's from our inside world. Absolutely. And I always remember actually mid-writing my PhD thesis. So I'd done all my research, had great fun doing that, and I had to actually sit down and write this thing. And that was not nearly so much fun. And I always remember my supervisor saying to me at one point, because he kept asking me to turn in a, a draft chapter and I kept delaying and delaying. And, and one day he said to me, Kate, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be good enough. And I think that, yeah, we do. We often get caught up in that. And I see it in my clients that they're, they're holding off launching something because they don't feel it's quite perfect. Or maybe they've got some doubt about how it's received. What if they get negative feedback about it? Or what if somebody says something that is disparaging about it? Or what if it doesn't work? And again, part of what we do, not only with each other within the TMP team, but with our clients is to help them develop the growth mindset. That mindset of, um, I think Nelson Mandela said it beautifully, I never lose, I win or I learn. And it's that, okay, I'm winning or I'm learning or both. Because the, the fact of the matter is we do learn more from the times that we perhaps stumble or even fall flat on our face. And that ability to take that and to use it and to get creative with it and inspired by it, that's resilience. That's, those are the people that are going, to, are going to thrive in the industry because in any industry, in my mind, because they're the ones that pick themselves up and dust themselves off and go, right, what am I going to do with that? And it's also understanding that it's just data, just yes. information. Yeah. Absolutely. If you think about yeah. reality, reality is actually really boring. I think that's one <laughs> thing that we, we bring to, to, our, to our team, our clients, is just outrageous perspective. Like if you think about reality, this is going sort of the existential for a minute, but a lot of the things <laughs> that annoy us, it's human being is in room. Human being looks at glass box or screen. Human being feels emotion. How, how can a human being just, how can one's perception of the world be when all we're doing is we're just looking at, at screens? Of course, we're talking to each other, we're communicating with each other, we're reading things. But reality itself is really boring, but it's our interpretation of reality. Now, in my view, until you've done that deeper work, the more deeper work that you do, the more you create a bit of distance between what you think is reality and what is actually reality. And if you haven't done this work before, it's really hard because you're just instantly in responses childhood responses emotional protection responses the more that you can create that distance and go okay well what's the data telling us it's just information everything everything we see we hear we touch we feel we taste this is all information and then our subconscious mind takes in that information and then it creates a feeling or a response 
the more that we can just slow things down, we're always going to have things, you know, walking down the street and someone pours a pint of water in your face, you're going to be pretty shocked and probably a bit angry. That's understandable. But the majority of the stuff that we're operating with isn't as urgent as that. Yeah, in our heads, we make it urgent because the stories that we're telling ourselves about ourselves and our place in the world versus the actual reality, which is most of it's just spent looking at a screen and communicating. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's that that idea, isn't there? And and I'm I'm fairly certain it's Epictetus, the ancient Stoic philosopher that said it. But, you know, no, it's not about what happens to us. Everything that happens to us essentially is neutral. It's about what meaning we choose to give it. So... Yes, it's a lot about actually sometimes, and, and like you said, you know, sometimes the therapeutic bit does need to be done. Often we, that needs to be cleared and sorted and, and figured out before people can step back and get that perspective that enables them to be more discerning about how they choose to react to things. But it's that idea that actually, you know, we determine how we react to things. And so once we've done that work, once we've cleared out those triggers, then our clients are left in a much stronger position to actually look at things from that perspective and to be able to make determinations about how they're feeling about things and how they're choosing to respond to things. And again, that's hugely empowering. That's incredibly empowering because I think, I don't know if, if you find it with the clients that you work with, but often when I start working with clients, they feel a bit like they're being controlled by their reactions to certain situations. They feel like, you know, these, these things are taking over their life and controlling them. And it's just about putting people back in the driving seat, you know, it's putting them back in the driving seat and showing them how to use the car to its optimum potential, showing them how to get the most out of it by how they're using their mind and their focus and their perception and their interpretation. Absolutely. I totally 100% agree and I see the same things. Now, Kate, it's for the philosophical question that we're always asking ourselves. If you had achieved total mental performance, today's answer, how would you know? How would you know? Balance is a word for me that comes up with total mental performance. So that balance in terms of knowing when your peak times are optimizing those, knowing those things that are likely to perhaps tie you out a bit more and, and, and accepting that and allowing for that, having that wonderful balance between work and family, home life. Yeah, balance. It's that creating almost like that sense of inner calm, inner knowing, I've got this. Whatever the day throws at me, I've got it. And some days I've maybe got it a bit more than other days because I'm perfectly human and that's a good thing. But it's, it's almost that, that, that really deep inner knowing of, yeah, come on, bring it on. I'm ready. I love it. I absolutely love it. And Kate, just one last thing before we wrap this up, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for believing in TMP. Thank you for believing in all of us. Thank you for believing in me. Uh, it's an absolute honor to have you on the team. And for anyone listening, Kate is an absolute specialist. I call her a bit of a silent weapon because promotion isn't her big thing. But she's so powerful at what she does. And by the time you'll be listening to this, uh, she's going to be taking on two clients towards the end of August. So if you are a driven woman, female coach that knows there's so much more to get out of your potential, 
has listened to to us today and thought, you know what, that's really resonated. That's really landed with me. Kate will be taking on two coaches uh, at the end of August. She has very limited availability. We often have to book her out in advance. And uh, she's a very, 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 very special coach. And if you've listened to this and you think, you know what, there's another coach that needs to hear this, feel free to share it. Kate, I just want to say a huge, huge, huge thank you for being a huge part of what we do. Thank you. It's such a pleasure. It's a pleasure to work with TMP, with everybody in the team. Such an amazing team. And it's a pleasure to work with all the incredible women I get to work with. They're just they're an inspiration. It's fantastic. Wonderful. Well, guys, if you want to find Kate, she's on Dr. Kate Blackford TMP on Instagram. And please do share this episode. Please do leave your ratings and comments. It absolutely means the world. Till next week. Hope you'll have a lovely, lovely week. And remember, as long as you can just understand that it's never your mind that's the issue. It's never your emotions that's the issue. It's your relationship with your state of mind. It's your relationship with your emotions. That really makes a difference. If you're going to feel a bit low this week, you're going to feel a bit stuck, that's okay. If you're feeling good, but you're putting more pressure on yourself to feel even better, then understand that that's okay too. Sending all the love in the world, and I will catch you all next week. So that's us for today, team. I want to say a huge thank you for spending this portion of your life listening to us. A couple of things before you disappear. If you're not already following us on Instagram, you can find all of our daily content on mindset and hitting peak performance at Total Mental Performance or our website, www.totalmentalperformance.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe or you'll find us on Spotify, uh, the Apple Podcasts and all the other various different platforms. Big love. Thank you ever so much. And we're looking forward to speaking with you soon.